coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this particular podcast um, episode is a little bit different. We're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic um, while physically distancing. So of course we're not in the same room and we are using Zoom. So our audio quality might be a little bit different than what you're used to. Um, You might hear some birds or some sirens honking, uh, but we are doing the best we can with what we have. Um, And I am so excited to introduce our guest for today, Sharif Jenkins, pronouns he, him, they is an improv performer, film and theater producer who also runs a gender-free clothing business called Boy Package and donates 10% back to the LGBTQ community. In his spare time, he plays trumpet for the Big Apple Corps, the LGBTQ New York marching band. Sharif, hello. Hello. How are you? Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm glad we finally found a time to do this. Yes, I'm so excited. (laughs) <laughs> Yay. So, um, how are you? The world is up and down and all around and right, right. how, how are you? Um, well, I mean, a lot of things. One, we have this epidemic, this pandemic going on and, um, that has affected business in good ways and bad ways as far as my company is concerned. Um, affecting me, I feel like I work from home. So the fact that everyone else had to be home sort of gave me a little peace. I don't know why, but I felt like I could do more work because everybody else is going to be home. So I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. And I got more work done. Um, I loved going around the city with empty streets and riding my bike. Like I rode to Queens, to Brooklyn. It was just like, wow, the city is mine. Um, And that doesn't negate that we were in a pandemic and people are dying, but that was just beautiful to me to have a less stress city. Um, Now with the protest, it's been, it's been, it's so many feelings all in one that uh, are hard to explain. You just start with one and you go on like, uh, you know, as a black man, I have, uh, I was just thinking of this before we talked, uh, so many different, um, Hmm. Things have happened to me since birth. Um, Just even in this apartment building that I live in, when I first moved in, the security guard didn't refer to me as a tenant. He said, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't walk in here in, in, in jeans because the tenants don't like that. Or, you know, there was this person on the street that started yelling, asking me for money and walked into the lobby when I walked in and the security guard, instead of, know being a security guard he just said you need to take your business outside and I'm like I don't know this man so things like this throughout my life have 
have happened. And I mean, these are small, different microaggressions um, against uh, that have to do with the color of my skin. Now, um, police brutality, um, like I have a few times been uh, at the mercy of a New York police officer. Um, one reason was because uh, I was walking into this building and he thought that I didn't belong here. Mm. And um, he got out of his car. He came to like uh, accost me and his partner got out of the car, grabbed his shoulder and said, dude, he has a key it, and he has a key to this place. He lives here. And if it wasn't for his partner, I don't know what would have happened. And so these are things that I'm used to. These are things that I have learned to focus on what I needed to do in life or what I wanted in life. And these things happen to me and these are expected things that happen to me. And so I'm saying that to say that these are protests and this life that everyone is sort of being woke to is something that I've lived every day. And so it's nothing new and it's nothing like, and I feel like the fact that the protests are so diverse in people, I think it's important. That was important. And that was what was needed in order to get things moving along in, in, as far as the law is concerned, as far as Congress is concerned, as far as gov local governments are concerned and changing um, the laws around po police brutality. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, but I thank you for sharing and bringing all of this to the conversation. I took notes so we can circle back to it because I want to try to make connections yes. um, and all of that good stuff that interviewers do. Um, but before we jump into kind of to that and your coming out story, um, I would love to hear about the pride item that you brought that or an item that, that brings you pride or reminds yes. you of pride. I see that I just went right deep in the first question. No, no, that's okay. I, <laughs> yes, listen, yes. I, asking someone how they are in this particular moment um, is an invitation for literally anything. And well, I'm glad. Yeah. Saying, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> right. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Sometimes I'll say, do you want the true answer or do you want the yeah, quick yeah, answer? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Exactly. So I brought two items that go together as one to me. Um, I, about 13 years ago, joined a gay band. So I have this, our hat, which is sort of like a cowboy hat. I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> I can't um, it's like a cowboy hat. Yeah. I mean, nice. it's just like a marching band hat. And it's a white hat with a purple um, band around it. We usually have feathers that come out of it. And um, in the band, I play the trumpet. Mm. So I have my trumpet with me. And... Um, you know, the first time I was ever in a parade with the um, the Big Apple Corps, which is the lesbian and gay bisexual transgender band here in New York, um, we do marches all around the East Coast, sometimes Orlando, sometimes even as far as Toronto. And the first time I was in the parade, I was nervous. I was scared because I haven't really played a trumpet since I was in junior high school. And everyone had my back. Everyone was like, it's going to be okay. And you're going to have fun. And you know, when you, especially in New York, when you march down, it's like the longest parade in the world, mm -hmm. New York Pride. And it's like you're just marching for people that are also in the parade. And then you get to this point where there's hundreds of, in New York, thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And it's like the cheer from that was so uplifting and so like beautiful. Like I never felt so, so much pride in being who I am. And that was so affirming that I was like, it's like the best feeling in the world to play your trumpet for pride 
and have everyone just screaming and love for themselves and for who we are. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's empowering. That's great. Me. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so I brought a mask that I finally received in the mail. Um, it is a trans, okay, my, I want to muffle my sound. It's a trans pride flag mask that I ordered from Boy Package. Um, so I'm so excited to, I mean, I would love to not have to wear a mask, but since this is our future for a long time, I'm really excited to have this. Yes. Um, but we'll talk about boy, boy package more in a few yes. moments. Um, so we all have multiple coming out stories. And so I would love for you to share one with us. Yes, that's crazy. Multiple. I, I mean, I thought of, of so many. Um, and this is, might answer another question that you have, but it's the one that I thought of when you asked me, which is um, the moment I came out to myself mm. or the moment... You have a, a, a phrase for it, but the moment that I realized that I was gay, um, I was in high. I was in junior high school. I played track. I played football. I, you know, I did all the the stereotypical gay things. Like I was in the band. I was in the choir. Um, I was in, sort of an overachiever, so I didn't have to be home. Um, I just did a lot of activities. And one day in the hallway, I had a girlfriend as well. In fact, this was an all uh, predominantly white school there were three black people and there was one black girl and we were just paired together as a couple mm-hmm. and um one day uh, one of the people that i played football with on the team came up to me and it was just like faggot mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's like you know you're gay right and i'm like i turned around and in th- like i've heard these words all of my life but i never paid them any attention like for the longest time i didn't know what gay meant like and i think i was like 12 13 and it clicked in that moment that gay means that I like guys. And like some of the, the team members, like we've wrestled together, we've learned about our bodies together. And um, I liked that, I think, a lot when, when, you know, when boys start experimenting, talking about girls. Um, and in that moment when he called me gay, I realized that gay meant I like boys and I turned to him and it was like nothing I thought of. It just happened. I turned to him, I grabbed him and I was like, I am gay. Like it was the most amazing moment in my life. Like, Oh my God, I know what this is. I'm gay. It was the most amazing. Yeah. I just felt like I get me now. Wow. I had words to go with how I felt and he like looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, no, you're not. You're not gay. We're just playing with you. You have a girlfriend. You can't be gay. And I was like, you know what? I'm gay. <laughs> and from that moment on, I was like, it was like a revelation. Yes. That's wow. my coming up story. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I think you keep alluding to a name for it, a ring of keys moment of like, is that what yes. you're? Yeah. So yes. just like ring this of moment keys. of like realization. Um Wow, I and you were in junior high. How old is that? You said like twelve-ish. Twelve, thirteen, yeah. Wow, that's I so can't old. imagine when I look at thirteen-year-olds now. I'm like, I mean, uh, I just can't imagine. Like, yeah, I look at thirteen-year-olds now, and I'm, I feel like people know now because there's so much. Um, there's you can see more of us today than you could when I was growing up, basically. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So much more visibility around queer yes. identities. Yes. Um, okay. So I have so many questions. So after this like revelation, as you say, and like, I, I just, first of all, I can like feel the energy of what you're sharing, like through the screen and it's incredible. And I, this notion of, I get me now and, and having the words to describe the ways that you've been feeling is so empowering. I've felt very similarly when I learned what non-binary and genderqueer were. I was like, holy shit, wh where are these words? Where have this, where has this been? Because I just, I didn't know where I fit in. And it's just, it's such a yeah. incredible moment to realize. Um, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but um, you yeah. were, you were interviewed with I'm from Driftwood. Um, and so was I. And my story with them, well, you know, we'll talk about that later, but we had it. Yeah, I listened. I Oh, you did? I listened to yours too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So once you're like, you turn to this person who is attempting to bully you and you're like, oh my God, yes, I am gay. And so, and he was like, no, you're not. So then what, what happened next? Like what happened tomorrow? Right. So did you, were you still dating your girlfriend? The rest, the like, rest of the come out story. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, you know, we went to the, the, high school dance the end of the year high school dance together and she sort of was she was she was just mad she was feeling some kind of way during the whole experience and I said I was going to have a limo and I didn't have a limo and she was just mad about that and then we took the picture if you saw the picture she just has this like this like <laughs> kind of kind of smile but not really smile and I think like she knew um, obviously these things get around a small little mm. junior high school. Mm -hmm. And, um, after that, we didn't really talk much until we got older. Like mm. after that, that was sort of the same year. Um, but also I guess the rest of the coming out story is when I figured it out, I told my mother, um, what helped with me telling my mother was an Oprah Winfrey show. When Oprah Winfrey talked about her childhood when she talked about things that happened to her as a child, um, it hit me that, uh, you know, I, if it's okay to talk about, I was abused as a child. And um, when Oprah did that sort of special, she, she said she wasn't going to come out and say these things, but she felt like she had to say these things. And, and that gave me courage to talk about my uh, child abuse. And I told my mother and in my head, I was thinking, I just want to talk about this. And I wasn't thinking, I want to tell you I'm gay. Mm -hmm. um, because Oprah inspired me to talk about these difficult things. So um, I think my mother being young, like I'm older than my mom was then. Like she was in her maybe 30, 30 something. And uh, she's, she was very devout Christian. And she said, you know, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And she said, are you trying to tell me you're gay? And I'm like, actually, no, I want to tell you, I want to talk about these things that have happened to me. And I, I believe that she didn't know how to, she didn't know what to do with that. And, um, you know, she, her idea was that I would go live with my father and he would teach me how to be man. And I told my father eventually that I was gay and he is a Muslim who is, you know, uh, preaches at a mosque in Iman. And he thought that the best course of action was 
that I would go to the mosque a lot and I would take classes on how to be a man. I read this book called The Education of the Will. Um, and so that I, he talked to a frat brother of his who was a psychologist who told him that I, that he had to, he had to accept that I was gay. Like, this is a thing. It's what people, they're born this way and that's, he just has to deal with it. And so he, he thought that if I read this book, Education of the Will, that I would learn how to have willpower so I wouldn't act on being gay. Now, I'm a young teenager at this moment. And yes, I had like hormones. But what was important to me at that moment was getting a good education and getting like being able to support myself after leaving home. These things were are all I was thinking about. Not really. All of I was thinking about. There was this, uh, when I was... Uh, when I was living with my mother, I did speech and debate for the high school and that I that was in her town. And we went around Pennsylvania doing these speech and debates. I'm like going in circles, but it'll come back. Um, and in, in these speech and debates, there was there were these boys, and they were all you know they wore suits to these things. They uh, they were part of this uh, all boys school that was like a, a couple of, like a mile away from my, where my dad lives. And they won every single time. Like they kept winning. And I, besides the fact that they were hot at AF at, to me at that age, I was just impressed and like, how in the world did they keep winning? Like no matter where in Pennsylvania we went, they were winning every single. And so when I found out where they were and they were close to my dad, I asked my dad if I could go there and he, he indulged. He, we went on a tour and once he saw it was all the boys and he saw how I probably was looking at them he said no freaking way (laughs) and um and then he became more uh you know I have to pick you up before school I have to pick you up after school um there are days when he couldn't and I found this youth group in in Philadelphia that's called the addict and um you know I I had these people that were my support system while dealing with my father um eventually within the same year of me telling my father that I was gay uh, and him finding out actually that I was going to this youth group, he uh, one day came home and um, I think I was really depressed from having to be picked up by him. He, he told me I couldn't go to this youth group anymore. Um, and I took a bunch of pills, sleeping pills. And um, I thought that that was the end for me. And I woke up, he came home and he didn't know I took these pills. And he said, you know, if you're going, if this is the life that you're going to live, you just can't live it in my, under my roof. And, um, and I left <laughs> and I went straight to the attic and the attic at the time was, uh, part of an organization, another, another organization that helped run away and throw away youth. And so they, uh, helped me get placed in a, in a, temporary housing um so i could until i got emancipated which happened very fast and then i lived with um i went on a long journey of this story didn't i <laughs> that's okay <laughs> and then i lived with these uh college students who happened to be gay who um helped me find a job and that's my coming out story it's a long one isn't it <laughs> yeah wow thank you for sharing that's a lot of shared a lot of vulnerable things <laughs> no i mean um So, well, I'm glad that the attic was there throughout that, what sounds like a really challenging moment, moments, sounds like lots of moments. (laughs) Um, 
do you still keep in contact with the attic or like do any kind of like fundraising for them or anything like so, that? Circling to Boyd package. Yeah. That's oh, B-O- great. B-O-I-P-K-G. Um, one of the things uh, that I thought was important with owning a queer business is, uh, is that we give back. Not, and I say 10% because overall 10% of everything we, at the end of the year, we donate to um, organizations like the attic, which is, you know, uh, youth center in uh, Philadelphia. It was one of the first in the whole entire country. They mm-hmm. think Boston and DC and us were the first ones to start. Um, and possibly San Francisco, obviously. This was like early 90s. So th- we have our branded boxer briefs. And it's important for us that uh, we have sort of like every three months, we pick an organization, we give 50 to 100% of the profit from those briefs to an organization. We've done that twice for uh, the Attic Youth Center. Wow. I love that you've like built into the, the framework of your organization, of your company supporting LGBTQ organizations. Yeah. I think that's really special. Um, so tell us, tell us more about Boy Package. So I know that it's, um, so I, you know what, you tell us. I was going okay. to say it, but you would tell it way better than me. <laughs> Okay, so Boy Package, um, B-O-I-P-K-G, uh, came at a point in my life where I was, I had money and I uh, really needed something, uh, you know, thank you for coming out. The improv uh, is a, was a big moment. Being on stage is like um, amazing and being on stage with queer people and learning about all the people in our community is amazing. But there's the other part of life during the day. And I, I was feeling sort of depressed. Like I needed something to do to wake me up in the morning. Um, other than nine to five here and nine to five there. Um, and so I decided to start a business and I looked at what was trending and um, boxer briefs were trending and boxers. And I thought every time I go on Instagram, I see naked boys in their underwear <laughs> or, you know, there's, there's a whole like, um, and I just wanted to do something different. And I, I looked to see if like uh, all the genders that were like, how many different kinds of people can I see in, in underwear that aren't like muscle boys or, or twinks. And so, you know, in another thing with the band is that we're all, all different parts of the, of the rainbow. And mm-hmm. I was talking with them uh, during a, a, a I want to say an away game during our trip to Rhode <laughs> Island pride. And I said, I want to start a business. And, uh, you know, there's a non-binary folks, there's lesbians, there's gays, there's trans. And we were all sitting around a circle and they're like, you know, you should do underwear for mask females or non-binary uh, underwear. And I was like, you know, that's great. Cause I don't, I don't see any. And then I started researching and I found like Tomboy X and I found Rodeo H and I'm like, this is amazing, but there's only two. And when you look for men's underwear, you see hundreds of, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, this sounds great. Like, how can we make, how can we do Tomboy X, but do it differently? Um, and um, Tomboy X is non-binary, uh, gender-free, and they have great underwear. Uh, when I looked at their commercials, I saw that they were geared towards the femme side of non-binary. And so mm-hmm. I thought, let's do Tomboy X, but let's do the mask side of non-binary. And um, everyone in the group was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. What do we call it? And I was like, package, PKG. And they're like, that's cute. But it just reminds me of men, like packages. And I was like, 
um, okay. And so somebody said boy package, but let's reclaim the I and, you know, just call it boy package. And that sort of will make sense as far as the package is concerned. And so I was like, yes. And it was very important to me to um, represent a side of the queer community that you don't see a lot or I don't see. And, and like I've done a lot of research and looked at hashtags and I, I didn't see a lot of um, trans mask. I didn't see a lot of non-binary, uh, you know, from all spectrums from femme to, to mask. And I wanted, it was important for me to, to represent um, not just what I identify with, but you know, our community that isn't that has less visibility. It was important for me to to give visibility to to parts of the community that need, needed it. I think I believe, like you know, who am I to say? But <laughs> growing up as a black gay man in you know in mostly white spaces, um, I know what it's like not to see, just period. Actually, just a gay person. Period. Growing up, not having visibility in front of me whether it's media or people in my life, I think that it was very important for me to start a company where I can show people themselves. And so it's, it's something that I constantly reach out. And so we, we branched from just underwear to like this year, we had our first New York uh, fashion week fashion show um, during fashion week, which was amazing. Wow. And I designed clothes for the first time, cool. um, which is like crazy. And, and like, nerve-wracking but it was a beautiful experience especially with all the models who were from the spectrum of trans men trans women non-binary um uh, we had singers dancers um models from california that were you know it was just amazing that's, and, uh, oh, sorry, boy package? <laughs> I, yeah no that's wonderful i love that i love um again like the intentionality behind creating a company that's meant to um, showcase identities that don't necessarily um, get the get the attention or get the visibility that right. is needed. Um, I mean, it was very important for me to do something that wasn't obviously like a business. You need to make money in order. You need to make money to show investors that you can make money. We don't. We've had people talk to us about investing. Um, that is important, but it was very important for me for us to be about something. Like I said, I needed something to wake up that I'd want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, there were times in the beginning, we've been alive for three years. There have been times in the beginning where I'm like, what am I doing? Do I really want to do this? Like, should I focus on trying to get on a UCB team? Should I, you know, like, <laughs> no. <laughs> what, what should I be doing? And then I started getting letter, like, not letters, you call them letters? DMs on Instagram from young um, non-binary and trans kids that were saying, thank you for, thank you for putting these things online. Thank you for letting us see us. And that touched me so much that I'm like, maybe I'm doing something good. Like maybe this is something that I can focus on that, that is not just about putting money in my pocket, but that's doing something for all of us. Yeah. I've had, um, so Tifco is turning five this summer. Yeah. Um, and I've had many of those exact kind of conversations with myself of like, what am I doing? This is so much work. And this was this was before Jess Ann and Lene came on. This yeah. was before the podcast, but it's a lot of work to yep. put your heart and soul into something. Um, 
day in and day out, right? And so many times I'd be like, is this, like, what am I doing? Like, it's fun, but like, and then I would go, like, I would then go to a show or I would get those letters, quote unquote, you know, on social media with the exact same kind of sentiments of folks of being like, thank you so much. I saw myself or I, you know, met my partner or my best friend at, at TIFCO and it's so important to me. And I'm like, oh, this is why I'm doing it because it's such a, it's just, there's something really special about being part of like a group or an organization or a business that is bigger than just making money. That's right. actually helping the communities, especially communities that we belong to. Tell you that. Thank you for coming out is, um, first of all, it was the first time that I got, the first time I did it, I was a storyteller and I was telling my story, my coming out story. I think that might've been the first time that I've ever done that in front of a crowd. And I was so nervous and the crowd. Wow. Um, the crowd made me feel so comfortable. Like, you know, I, I was shaking in the beginning, but like everyone responded so well that I felt like I was home. Mm. And ever since, like, you know, I've taken classes for years and I've never really been on a team. Well, I, I did a Harry Potter team once that lasted for like a year and I did like jams, but I've never been part of a group. Yes. The group changes, but a part of a group that felt like a family before. Mm. And like, even in my improv, it has gotten so much better from being a part of uh, uh, people that understand me, people that go through things that I've gone through. And I've learned so much about LGBTQ outside of myself. I've learned the language of non-binary, the the gender, the multiple ways that gender can exist I've learned from thank you for coming out. And it has made me such a better person. Something that I, I know I always say this, the first time that I've known somebody longer than just one time, it was you, Dubs, and the pronouns that you use. It was the first time that when I would talk about you with other people, they would correct me. And, and then it, now it's like a natural thing. And it makes sense to me now. And I realized this today. today. It's my brother's birthday. And okay. he changed his name about four or five years ago. And I have never called him his real, his, you know, his name that he is now. And it just occurred to me that, you know, he has a dead name. Mm. <laughs> you know, he chose a name because that's who he believes and he is. He chose and I've never respected that. Mm. And it dawned on me that it's the same. Like he decided, he became who he is and I need to, and I told him for your birthday, not just for your birthday, but for, for our relationship, that today I'm changing your name in my phone from your dead name to your name. And from now on, I'm going to start calling you that. And wow. I think I, if it wasn't for you and like being a part of thank you for coming out, I, I don't know how long it would have taken me to get to this point. So thank you. <laughs> oh my God, if I talk, I'm going to cry. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> Wow, that was really that was a commercial for thank you for coming out. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And this is this is one of those like moments that is like affirming why why do this because thank you. It feels so much of the time 
<clears throat> so much of the time it feels so it can feel so hard and lonely when people don't see you or respect you and and also not knowing that it feels okay to bring your full self to a space and the fact that thank you for coming out is doing that for everyone but like selfishly me <laughs> and like I've leaned on the thank you for coming out community. Oh, I need to breathe. I have leaned on the thank you for coming out community far more times than I ever knew <laughs> like I would be doing. And like hearing, hearing you share that, share your experiences and then also sharing the, the empathy that you've been able to take away and apply it in your own life in a different way, but in the same way is so incredible. And it just, I thank you, Sheree, for sharing that and um, for being part of the community. I remember when you, when you told your story, I think you were wearing like, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to remember the name, but do you know, what were you, what were you a wearing? A scarf for my dad, which was part, I think it was a Kente cloth scarf. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Kente Cloth, um, which was amazing. And that's the two, like the the audience, it does, it feels like family. And the the people who show up um, to the different events and the different shows, it feels like family. And um, I just... I'm like at a, I'm at I'm at a loss, even though I've just was talking for five minutes. I'm giving you a hug right now. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. I'm giving you one right back. My glasses are foggy from crying, but um, it's it's just like it's community is everything, and I love that you have um, like Boy Package is like the the mission is based in community and the again the just baked into the the framework of giving back to the community it's like what's all we have and right. i just i love that so oof <laughs> <laughs> i'm fogging up I, I mean before that came out i was gonna say you know what it's like to run something on your own and it's hard when like now you have two other producers but it's hard when you have to make decisions and it's like how who do i bounce this off of like am i doing this for right and then you like i would use my friends and then they're like i don't know or you know <laughs> yeah. they would give advice but it wasn't real advice it was just like we're having a, you know we're chit-chatting i don't know if you're going to use this but i'm going to give you something from left field that has nothing to do with what you're asking <laughs> so it's it's like it's really nice to um I mean, to talk to someone who actually knows what that's like, one. Yeah. And two, when, as, you, as your community around your business or around Thank You for Coming Out, around Boy Package grows, there are more people who understand what you're going through and give you good advice on how to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I started talking about my brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I guess, can I ask, a, can, how was that received when you said, like, I, like, yeah, just how how was that received? He he laughed and he said thank you. Mm. He just said thank you. Okay. <laughs> Had it been like a point of contention in the past or was it just kind of like a non-issue they, or They live in Atlanta and so I have This has happened like this it's bringing up so many different times in my life. Like I know I have a father who changed his like before I was born he changed his name. 
And I've never heard anybody call him that. Nobody has ever called him his old name, his dead name. And um, it, before, before this realization, I just felt like his dead name was, that was who I grew up, like he's my brother and that's my brother. And this person that he's become is just somebody else. And like, I want to hold on to my brother. And this is like, and so it, it made me think of like, other families that like I talk to a lot of people who are like my family still calls me my dead name mm-hmm. and they don't like that and I and it I don't know why at that moment it didn't hit me <laughs> yeah but and it just he never said anything well maybe once in the beginning he did say something he corrected me mm-hmm. um but it's never been like ne- like a negative I think he just like left it alone and it's funny because I my I've heard my family say happy birthday to him and they used his dead name as well. Mm. I just for the first time ever in years heard my mother say his name that he uses. So I, I guess he got through to her mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or that she just, you know, and I, I'm like, wow, this is, who is this woman? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I've never, because I'm not around them a lot. I've never, uh, it hasn't been a, I don't know if it hasn't been a big deal to him, but it just hasn't been an issue. And um yeah <laughs> so yeah. now I, I just feel like i need to be more respectful um of his choices yeah period <laughs> yeah well that's that's important and that's so great and i think what what you just brought up is so important that i want to name is that there's a sense of loss of i want you to like how you said like i want to hold on to my brother like who i grew up with and i know like for me and my family like my parents, like, it took them a while to stop saying daughter or sister and, like, my siblings, too. And it's, there was a lot of painful and hard conversations around them feeling this sense, this huge sense of loss of, like, I'm losing a daughter, I'm losing a sister. Um, and that's real. That, that loss, that grieving is real. It's not just something that, that we're saying that trans people and their families go through. No, it is a real right. sense of right. loss. And, um, but like the beautiful thing about it is that what you're losing is some, someone or something's identity that's not authentic. And so you're gaining, it's like, we always focus on what we're losing, but we sometimes forget to focus on what we're gaining is like a more authentic, a happier, more connected sibling or child or right. And so, um, I'm going to check in with you in six months and in a year to see how things are going with your (laughs) brother. Um, uh, So I want to go back to, to boy package because I just, I'm I'm loving the idea about showing up for community and, um, and also the black lives matter um, movement that's going on right now. And you, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, the, like the microaggressions that you faced as a black man. And um, so so I brought up boy package because, and and the movement, because you are right now donating KN95 masks. And so, yeah, tell us, tell us about that. So, um, I wasn't sure. Well, no, I I was at this, at the moment of the protest, I, you know, they were happening in Minneapolis. It, It just started in Minneapolis. Um, I think it was like a Wednesday, a Thursday. I watched a, uh, 
a trans man who does drag as well, who, uh, like, I, they were friends with somebody who modeled for us, who, they both were in Minneapolis, and I watched them take us on their IG Live journey from uh, the front lines of the protest to them asking for money on, you know, to help with supplies for protesters. And I'm like, I've never thought of this. Supplies for protesters? Like, you just think people go out on the street and they're there and they're protesting. But these people were there for over 24 hours. And so this person uh, took us on an IG Live. People were Venmoing him. And he went to a store and he put like all this on IG Live. He got supplies. We're watching, we're watching the ask. We're watching the ask be done. We're watching him go and get supplies. And he's taking the supplies and going back to the front lines and handing them out. And I thought, what a brilliant way what a brilliant thing to do. Like, first of all, to supply protesters so that they can keep protesting. And it's another way of being on the front lines without being on the front lines. Like mm-hmm. this, I think was before protests broke out everywhere. And so I messaged them and I said, I have a bunch of KN95s and I can get more at this very good price. Like you can't find, KN95s are 95%, they block 95% of air particles. They are just as good as N95s. They are China's version of N95s. And uh, they're the most protection that you can get as a civilian outside in a crowd full of people. When you wear it, you will have the utmost protection. So I thought because I had these, and I'm not allowed to sell them online, by the way, um, because I had these and I had ways of getting them for cheap. You can only find them two for $20 online, but I could get them for $2 each. So I took what I had and I mailed it uh, FedExed it overnight to uh, Minneapolis. And like that night I heard on the news that the, the National Guard were, was there. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're not going to get it. The next day they had a picture of them handing them out. And I was like, oh my goodness, this actually works. Wow. And so after I was done with the ones that I had, I asked, and I'm still asking people out in the community, if you want to donate, um, there is a, uh, on the front, on the first page of Boy Package, B-O-I-P-K-G.com, there will be uh, a section that says supplies for protesters. And it's $10, but you can add $10 as many times as you want to donate. And I will buy more KN95s and don- and also more supplies, um, whatever they ask for. Sometimes it's handkerchiefs, sometimes it's uh, to get water delivered. And we have not just sent them to Minneapolis, but we've supplied masks um, at... Uh, you know, the trans march that was in Brooklyn. Uh, there was a march for George Floyd for uh, during the funeral day in Harlem. We have sent some to a Black Lives Matter protest in, in Boston. And these are all through our networks of uh, LGBTQ protesters all around the country. And so um, that was very important to me. Um, and, and I feel like I... I was, I'm immunocompromised. And so I felt like I didn't feel like it was the best time for me to go out into the streets, but I wanted to be able to do something. And I wanted other people in the community who weren't able to go out in the streets to be able to do something. So we, you know, we came up with this plan. (laughs) Supply. Supply are able to walk and is, is a form of walking ourselves. Yeah, that's, I love, that's amazing. And um, we'll put the, we'll put your website and information um, when we post so folks can make donations. Um, So you, you, so in the beginning you, you were talking about um, how kind of like this, this movement right now um, 
it's nothing new to you. Like you've been dealing with microaggressions your whole life and like, and you're, you are now witnessing and observing and correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but observing other people kind of waking up to the things that the black community has been facing for a very long time. Um, so I'm wondering, because this is something that you've grown up with and you've dealt with, is there any kind of like resilience or, um, tools that you've learned from being a black man that's helped you with your LGBTQ um, identity? That's a very interesting question. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's interesting because I usually think that um, the tools that I use from being gay, Mm. LGBTQ help inform my blackness or being black answer that Um, one instead but i think that you know i it's it's something to think about i yeah hmm. especially because you know and and this is probably true in every community but specifically black america um like and part of my life okay so there are lots of different kinds of black people in america Mm -hmm. and but it's it's primarily what we see in the media and uh you know i grew up with a muslim father and a christian mother and um when you think of black people i, I like i have a cousin who's seven day adventist or uh you know all these different religions but you have christianity and you have muslims and i grew up in a very religious you know two religious households and um and so gay was not something that could be done. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was just no. And like, I didn't know there were gay people that I knew and had babysitters that were gay until I got older. And I was like, oh, you, you know, you, you didn't like, you didn't want me to be gay, but you, <laughs> you trusted gay people. Like this isn't computing for me. Um, hmm. I don't know if I can mix the, t- like, the compassion I've learned to have because of how I was treated as a gay person um, doesn't really inform the, and this probably doesn't answer your question, doesn't really inform the, you know, my blackness. Um, the things that I have to put up for being black, I feel like it's just, it's, it's so different than the, being ostracized for being gay it's just mm-hmm. it's different and i don't know if they can i'm sure they do inform each other but it's just you know in the black community that i grew up in uh you know i'm put down for being gay but also in the gay community that i have been a part of there are microaggressions for being black that nobody understands and in fact i didn't understand a lot of what was happening until like i you know when I lived with my mother, I went to an all-white school. When I moved to, with my father, I went to an all-black school. I didn't know how I was treated at the... I didn't know how I was treated badly at the all-white school until I went to a school where these things did not exist. Mm. And I was praised for the work that I did in a way that I wasn't praised at the white school. Um, it was... And it was like a, an eye-opening thing. And I think I'm just digressing from the question, but That's it's okay. just... For me, my experience is having both communities put me down in ways that I, you know, one, it's easier to, to explain from, from my 
church-going black folk family. <laughs> the other one is hard, is a little harder to explain because it's, uh, is it harder to explain? It's just, we haven't really had the conversation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. Like I, I, per, this is, and I, I don't know if I, if I always believe this, but the whole like sexual um, apps, the app, dating apps where they say no blacks, no fats, no fans. I feel like saying it that way is, is, probably not the best way to say it. I I personally would rather know (laughs) from you if you're not interested in me. And if it's because I'm black, um, I mean, I believe those people just have, don't get need to get out more. They need to Mm -hmm. understand that people are people and you know, whoever, whatever color they are, they'll still treat you like crap or they'll treat you great. You know, they could be good in bed or bad in bed. It just, you know, these, the color has nothing to do with it, but, but for some people it does. And, um, I, you know, it's like, see how the question sort of explodes in my mind. Yeah. So I feel like okay. in my life, I get, I get crap from both sides and, um, it's just that the people on the black side of, you know, the family and where I come from are growing in ways that I never expected as far as dealing with homosexuality. The, uh, the gay side where there's, uh, you know, I think I maybe now have a balance of different, uh, of, uh, diversity in my friends, but I still roam in white spaces. And so there are things that, that happen that I've, in the beginning, when they when people say certain things, I have let go and I don't even hear them anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I hear a lot of black people right now talk about how they are not here to educate you. You must educate yourself at this point. There are there has been a lot of that in my life where I'm like I'm not even I don't have the bandwidth to respond to the things that are being said by my friends who happen to be white. Um, and now that they're asking. I personally feel like they've never asked before, so I'm just going to say it. And and some things that they ask, um, I don't know that if they're ready to hear. And I'm talking in generalizations, but I think, I don't know if you can apply this to different situations. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're ready to hear. And I like that there are, especially dealing with pre- police brutality, mm-hmm. that there are, and I mention this all the time, uh, the show on Netflix, the movie, thir- the 13th, 13th, mm-hmm. um, by Anna, is it Ava DeVorney? I don't know how that to say it. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> and so she has this movie that breaks down what's happening very well. And I feel like um, before, if anyone ever asks me for advice on what to do or what to read or what to watch, I say, watch that. And um, it's a nice documentary. It interviews people from both sides. And it just tells you about the comparison, the the parallels between slavery back then and slavery today. Mm-hmm. And there was once in, before you, when you're not woke, <laughs> <laughs> right. I still have a lot to learn about, you know, the life that I live and how it relates to the rest of the world. Um, but this movie will show you how slavery is repackaged and repackaged again, how movements like this that happened in the 60s did change things. but there were th- there were ways that the other side you know says okay we'll give you that and then we're going to change the law to make make you know mm-hmm. and the 13th talks about the 13th amendment which uh 
abolishes slavery, but allow, unless you're a prisoner. And so, you know, we have 3 million prisoners in the most of any, any country in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they make Nikes, they make, I'm sorry, they make products for lots of different corporations for four cents an hour. And um, so it's like, is slavery really over when we have these prisoners who legally can be slaves? Um, and there's more of them now than there were then. And and that is just, that that's just me throwing out some, anybody who wants to, to learn about what's happening right now, that's a good place to start. Now, um, when my friends say I don't date blacks, that's, a, that's one thing that it's like, um, is it racist? Yes, it's racist. <laughs> People yeah. are like, I'm not racist. I just don't, you know, I just don't like, and I'm like, this can, this, I understand that people, like, even when I was younger, I thought I only like, like, rosy cheek blonde boys. Mm. But I didn't realize that I, I went to a school with all rosy cheek blonde boys. This is just something that, you know, I was, it, I was conditioned this way. And when I moved to the big city, I saw that there were people of people who looked exactly like the rosy cheek blonde boys who were black or, or Asian or, you know, and it was just like, wow, there are so many beautiful people and they all come from different places. And that was a revelation to me. And I'm hoping that that happens to other people who, who have these um, ideas in their head that one race is all that works for them. Um, mm. That's just one example of dealing with, the gaze. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that that answer was chock full of information. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it was great. No, really. Um, and I also highly recommend watching Thirteenth. Um, I watched it just like for the first time, like last week weekend, and um, like so, I I watched half of it and had to pause it and watch the rest the next day. I cried a lot th- like during it and I was like if I if I'm having this reaction watching it from my bed like we have fucking work to do <laughs> like you like know the- and yeah and so it's I I I just went echoing your recommendation that everyone yeah. should watch it and it's re- very very powerful and it's also so clear like it's just it it's Yes so, that's what I thought so, it was a- yeah, yes. it's clear and it's easy. It's easy, quote unquote. Like a three-year-old will like understand what's follow. going on. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Sharif, I don't want to do this because I'm having such um, an incredible time with you, but I want to be mindful of time. So, but you are welcome back anytime for us to keep chatting. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to move us into our last section, which is the okay. rapid fire okay. questioning. Um, no right or wrong answers except one, but you'll you'll. It's all for fun and games. Um, okay. Pencil or pen? Pencil. Acting or singing? Acting. Dogs or cats? Cats. Beach or mountains? Beach. (laughs) Meat or veggies? Veggies. Whoa. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Bagels or donuts? Bagels. Good. That was the one. (laughs) Uh, Train or plane? Um, Oh, wow. Train. Sweet or salty? Salty. Coke or Pepsi? Oh my God, Becky. (laughs) (laughs) Sprite. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Um, Night or day? Day. And then favorite kitchen utensil or item? 
Uh, what do I, I want to say spatula. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. Tongs are my favorite. Okay. They can do everything. <laughs> they can. Yeah, they're powerful. Um, Shri, thank you again so much for joining us. And we'll be sure to uh, post boypackage.com and encourage folks to donate so you can keep providing PPE to folks uh, fighting for Black Lives. Thank you very much. And you've given me so much to think about with that question. The last oh, question. good. Well, when you now have, to have the answer written down and perfect. <laughs> Amazing. <from> <laughs> Thank you for coming out. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You for Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.